Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today, I'm very excited to introduce you to a multi-award-winning TV medium, a paranormal investigator, presenter, broadcaster, speaker, and columnist. And yes, this is all one person. Coming to us from the Sherwood Forest, he says, in the United Kingdom, I'm very happy to say, Barry John, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. Oh, I standard there as though he was reading like a whole title of words out to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so lovely. And, and yes, you are right. I mean, I, I live in the middle of Sherwood Forest, not actually in the tree. I live on a lovely estate in the middle of the forest. So as you can imagine, it's very earthy and very down-grounded here. Wow. Well, that's great. Well, it's nice to talk to you. I know we have a mutual friend named Kaz Dukes, who was a guest on this show on episode 168, who is a dear friend of both of ours and set us up together for this fine day to talk. So I'm very grateful to her. Yeah. So Barry, you are... I know I read the introduction about you, and sometimes when we hear all those titles, it's like, wow, is that who I am? But you have done an awful lot, and you've made such an impact in the in the world, actually. And so how does oh. your story begin? Did young Barry, was he interested in this sort of thing? Or, yeah, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story with us. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, 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 it really is very moving when I hear it, because I... I I suppose, really, I'm very humble, if you know what I mean. I, I don't see what I've done. And, I, and the only one thing I've ever wanted to do as a medium is go out there and help people and help people get over situations and grieve. And, you know, for me, it started at a very young age, you know, and I was, I was, I was lucky because my family were very much into the spiritual pathway. You know, my mum was a, a medium, my grandmother was a medium, and it almost seemed to flow through the family line. So, you know, I, I remember as a child when I used to lay in bed or lay on the sofa and I used to see things happening outside the windows and almost as though people were giving me signs or symbols, to be honest. Um, and it was, was it scary? Not really, no, because I think I always knew there was something greater that was looking after me or there was a greater power there. And whenever we lost grandparents or close family members, I always seemed to know that they hadn't gone forever, you know, they'd gone for that split moment and within seconds they would come back. And at this time, you know, I was probably only five, six, seven, so a young age for a child, you know, and and as I say, I remember seeing spirit outside the window and they would wave at me almost to say, we're here, but it's not, it's not your time yet, or it's not right for you yet. Um, And I suppose it, it just, as things started to advance as a child, I was very inquisitive. I wanted to know more. I got to hear about the family stories of, of physical mediumship, table levitation, um, you know, reporting objects into a family circle, you know, and, and, and it was lovely, you know, and I, I really have a passion. I have a, a big hearted passion for what, what not only I do, but what we all do, because we're all trying to prove the same thing. We're all trying to prove that life continues to exist when people have passed over um and I remember you know it was probably it was probably when I was about 11 12 ish when I thought actually I want to start playing around I want to start doing things and I started um, using tarot cards at that time and doing a few readings for like family members or for um friends on the street where we used to live on the road um and I did them you know people used to say how do you know that I used to go 
well, the cards just tell me so, or I just know it. You know, there's just something that I knew. So it was really, really very inquisitive. And my path from that sort of age just seemed to blossom and bloom, I suppose. You know, I got into um, doing ghost stunts probably around the early sort of 1990s um, sort of era. Um, and it just took me from one thing to another. You know, I enjoyed doing them as a bit of, I suppose I'll call it fun to start off with. You know, it was nice going into old haunted buildings and seeing what we could find, what we could detect and pick up. Um, but not only for me, but also for other people that was with us. Um, and, you know, there was times that at that age, you know, I would be a little bit sort of afraid of it and thinking, am I doing the right thing here? You know, is this, is this the right path for me? Or is this the dark side, which people always talk to you about once you start getting into it, don't they? They're very much... Um, they're unsure, really, of what you're trying to achieve. And right. and even now, you know, I've still got some family members now, and they always say, oh, make sure you do it for the right reasons. And I go, I always have, you know. And I always say for me, my mediumship for me has to come from the heart, not the head. You know, when I have an emotional tie to somebody who I'm reading as a client, a sitter, or even if I'm doing an event, it has to have an emotional tie. Because I think once I've got that emotional link, spirit work with me a lot closer um you know and I, I always I always try to keep mediumship simple when I teach people when I train people on workshops I keep it simple because I think at times mediumship can be made almost over complicated at times people tend to put too many um rules and regulations on it for me whereas at the end of the day all we are is delivering the service and that service is only as good as the spirit world and also the sitter or the client sat in front of us. And I think that's one thing we have to remember. Um, you know, and I've, I've got to be honest, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed my pathway. I really have. And I've enjoyed over the years helping people, helping them get over situations, helping them deal with situations. And probably, you know, the be all and end all, helping them grieve in situations because, People, people will come to me, they'll come to, to you, Sandra, you know, they'll go to mediums and they really just want somebody to talk to. They want to tell somebody, this is how I'm feeling at that moment in time. Um, and I always say to them, you know, until me as the medium, until I have experienced losing somebody and the loss of somebody, which I, I have very close to me, um, you don't, you can't actually relate to them. You, you can't actually link in with that energy, if, if that makes sense. You, yes. it, I, I think one of the greatest lessons of being a medium and to be a medium is the experience of life's pathway, you know, the good and the bad, you know, the ups and the downs. We have to experience that. And that's what makes us the better medium that we are today. You know, it, it helps us understand people's um, pain, understand their emotions, understand the happiness, because... You know, let's be honest, people don't always come to us when they're when they're sad and down in the dump. They come to us as well when they've got a happy time coming ahead and they actually want to know, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to be the right thing for me? Is this the best thing for me? Um, you know, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because over the years, mediums, we, we, everybody seems to think we hold all the answers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we do. I think what we hold is almost... Um, numerous routes or crossroads or, or um, you know, roadways, whatever you wish to call it, that 
we almost try and direct people down a little bit. And we say, well, actually, if you go down that one, that's going to be a better road for you. And, and I don't like people coming to me and thinking that I'm going to suddenly solve all their, all their issues in their life and, and put them on the right path and say, right, off you go, everything's going to be perfect. Because, you know, you and I know that as soon as a sitter's left us, you know, they could change the whole of that reading instantly within a second. Yes. Does that make sense? Now, I know I've, I've probably gone a little bit all around the houses there with, with what okay. I'm talking about. But, but you know, I, I, I enjoy doing it. You know, I love, I, love, I love the feedback to people. I love it when people come to us and say, you made a difference to my life. And, and I think, you know, that's the one thing I've always wanted to do is make a difference to somebody's life. Yes. I think that's the common denominator in everything I do also. Mm, and you never mm, know definitely. how that's going to show up. And and I'm sure you've had people that were really down and you may not even mm. know to the extent that they're grieving. And just mm. one message can, yeah, change somebody's course of it, life. It, it is, that is, you know, that is, so so important and I and I say this to people you know sometimes as a medium you don't need to give people a full reading you don't need to sit with them for a half an hour an hour sometimes all people want to hear from you is don't worry things are going to get better and it almost puts them on that positive positive route then you know and I always say <clears throat> when I'm talking to them you know change has to come within you know you have to want things to change in your life you you can't expect us as a total stranger and the spirit world to, to basically say, well, if you go this way, everything's going to be perfect for you because you and I know that life will never be perfect. It always has the ups, the ups and downs again, you know. Um, and I think for me, you know, it's nice when sometimes, you know, somebody will go away from me, you know, a client will leave and then they'll send me an email the next day going, you know what you said, that's really what I wanted to hear or what you said was, it didn't make sense at the time, but now I've thought about it, it totally makes sense to me. Um, and I always say to people, you know, we can never guarantee who's going to come through and talk. You know, we can't, and we can't block them out. We can't dictate that, you know, you only get dad through because you don't want to talk to mum. <laughs> Sometimes mum might want to come through for a reason. And people, you know, it's interesting when you do readings to people, isn't it? And you'll say, I've got mum here. And they'll go, I don't want to talk to mum. And you'll go, but I can't get rid of her now because she's obviously here for a reason. Right. So we need to understand what is she here for? Um, and, and I, you know, I watch this with people and you, you almost see, you know, a little bit, they start taking almost a step back in the mind, you know, thinking, oh, I don't know whether I want to hear this message now. And you think, well, what will be, will be, you know, spirit are here for a reason. Um, you know, and I get messages from certain, fam certain family members of mine and, you know, people who, you know, number one, I probably wasn't close to. And number two, you know, I, I don't I don't really want him to have any involvement in the direction of my life now. But I accept that the spirit world are a greater source. I accept that they're here for that moment in time when we need them. And, you know, it shouldn't really matter who that who that spirit person is. All that matters is what they're telling us. And is that what we need to hear at that moment in time? And I always say to people, you know, the spirit world will, they will tell you what you need to know, not what you want to know. And I think that's a really good, 
that's a really good sort of route to look at, isn't it? It is. The people in the spirit world are loved ones. Are they all mm. knowing or are they just still them? There's some same selves that they might not have the best advice or do they just come with us with love in their heart and want to help? You know what I'm asking? Like, do you know, I think, I think you've just said it in the latter part, you know, they come to us because they've got love for us, you know, and we always talk about unconditional love with spirit, mm -hmm. you know, when we're, when we're working, when we're sitting, when we're sitting in the power, in the energy, we get enveloped in this unconditional love that the spirit world can only have for us. And I think a lot of the time, you know, they're there because maybe we just need a little bit of comfort. Maybe we just need a little bit of guidance. Maybe we just need somebody to put their arms around us at that moment in time and say, actually, you know what, everything will be okay. Um, and not only for us, also for the sitters, because, you know, let's be honest, us as mediums, we also get communication. You know, if they're talking to, if they're talking to the sitter with a message, they're obviously going to give us a message in the background, you know, and that could come from our parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, siblings, you know, people that we've lost over in time. Um, and I think that's why it's so important not to put a boundary on it, you know, not to put barriers on it, not to say, I only want this specific person. But... You know, I've got to say from, from my experience, you know, at times when you're feeling a little bit a, a little bit down in the dumps and you're not quite sure which route to take or which direction or maybe things aren't going well in your life, um, you know, they're always there. You know, there's always that moment in time where you just want to say, what I'm going to do is just sit for five minutes because I need to connect. I need to connect. And whether that be connecting with your higher self or whether that be connecting in an altered state and looking at a trance situation or whether that be just sitting for spirit and saying, guys, I'm here. I'm a bit confused at the moment. What, what can you do? You know, what, tell me, just, just talk to me, you know, just take me in your arms and comfort me. Um, and I think we all need that at times, don't we? You know, we all put on a brave face. Even mediums put on a brave face mm -hmm. when all you need is a little bit of positive guidance. Yeah. And that's something we can all do is spend that five minutes. We don't have mm -hmm. to go to a medium. We can, I mean, and I, and I have talked to many guests and that's something we should all practice yeah. is spending a little bit of that time sitting. Yeah. But certainly, certainly, you know, and I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, a lot of, I think a lot of the answers that people are looking for, they already know them. It's already there. It's that, it's that gut feeling. It's that, it's that sensation inside that says to you, yes, that's right, or no, that's not right. Um, but they still insist on coming to somebody for, a, for another view or another, a, another point of view. Um, and I think, you know, if we all sat there, even, even clients, sometimes if they just sat there and said, you know what, this just isn't right for me, this isn't the situation I should be in, so what can I do to change it? I think that makes a huge difference. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, like attracts like, you know, what we give out, we get back. You know, let's let's all be a little bit more positive and let's think, actually, things are going to change in my life. You know, what I'm going through at this moment in time is just a moment in time. After that, things are going to be OK again. And I think that's what we should be looking at. Oh, those are great words. And I often think to myself that the hardest times in my life that were not pleasant are the times that I've gotten the most growth and they've put me on a different direction or introduced me to great people or good things have come from it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. You know, I, I agree. 
it's, it's, it all goes back to what we were just saying that couple of seconds ago, wasn't it, about taking five minutes out, almost just to weigh up your own life or weigh up your own situation. And, you know, to come out of that, to actually appreciate where you are at that moment in time, appreciate what you're going through is a lesson to learn or a, a learning curve on your pathway is a great sort of experience that people need to realize. And that's what I think I tend to look at now with life. I look at things as a lesson and I think, okay, I'm in this situation. Why am I in this situation? What What is going to come out of this that makes me realize that, you know, it was only something I needed to learn or something I needed to pass on to people. And I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, hmm. I haven't played the game when I'm really <laughs> on it about something. It's like, well, yeah. Sandra, why would you have put yourself in this situation? <laughs> what is there to learn? And it's like, it takes yeah. me out of, uh, isn't that victim awful? Everybody's doing this to me. It's like, Ooh, maybe there's something yeah. to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Gets me into the. It is. It is. And, and you know, funny thing is when you sit down and look back probably in six months time or 12 months time, you'll look back and go, ah, that makes sense now. I understand why I went through that because you might have somebody who comes to you as a client. You might have somebody who comes and asks your advice. And lo and behold, you can go, ah, I've been through that. I know what, what that's all about. And this is what happened to me. And people look at you going, what, really? You understand me? And you go, yeah, I understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what people want, isn't it? They want to know that you understand them. That's right. That's right. Barry, I want to ask you a little bit about your mediumship. When your mm. friends in the spirit world come to you, are you a visual person? Do you feel them? Could you just like walk us through when you do that connection? Like what you oh, feel? gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, interestingly, I, I, was, I, I was talking to my group about this the other night, and my mediumship over the years, Sandra, has changed so much. I remember when, you know, when I first started out doing demonstrations, um, you know, I, I used to sit for spirit before and you say, oh, yeah, you want the second person on, on the back row. You want the third one on the front. You want the second row in. And it was almost as though they used to almost help me to give the message to start off with. Mm-hmm. And over the years, obviously, either they've hardened me up or they've got very hard with me, something like that, because now I look at it and I think, well, I've got no idea where I need to be when I start off a demonstration or a, or a platform demonstration. And I just think, you need to help me here, guys. You need to tell me where I want to be. And I always remember, you know, it, I, when, I, you know when I started off, they would literally show themselves, they'd describe themselves to a T. They'd, they'd tell me everything about the life. Whereas once you start getting the experience, it's almost as though they expect you to do more of the work. They want you to dig a little bit more. They want you to ask the questions a little bit more. Um, and I think for me now, you know, I get a lot of uh, a lot of visual, a lot of clairvoyance. Um, I get a lot of almost what I call clear knowing. You know, there's just something inside that I know, but I don't know where it comes from. You know, and the spirit world will change. You know, whoever I'm with it, working with as the spirit or the communicator, they will change into how they want to work with me. And I just accept it now. You know, I don't put boundaries on it, and I don't say, "Oh, I only work one way. This is the only way that I work." And I think, you know, my my gatekeepers, my guides, you know, my my organizers up there, you know, that I've worked with for many, many years. And I always say to them, you know, you just del- help me deliver what I need to deliver. You know, you help me to bring through the messages that are needed. 
And I think, okay, if that doesn't make sense, then I go back to my my guides, you know, my gatekeepers, and I go, not really understanding the delivery of this message. What am I missing? Is this something I'm not listening to? Is this something that the communicator needs to tell me? And it's almost I use them as a bit of um can I say a little bit of a middleman at times? Yes. You know, it's almost as I go, I, you know, um, you know, my guide or my mum who tends to work with me a lot, and I go, doesn't make sense to me. You need to help me. You know, is this person struggling to communicate with me or is it the fact that I'm not listening? And I think sometimes it's probably the latter. I think sometimes it's the fact that the spirit world are there giving you all this information and you're trying to deliver it so quickly that you often miss key points or you miss key bits or sometimes we don't analyse it enough, if that makes sense. You know, they'll give you something and you think, right, okay, am I am I trying to make too much out of this or should I just accept what they're telling me? And I think the, the way that I always look at it and the way that I teach is it's not for us as the medium to understand the message. It's for us as the medium to pass the message on in whatever format spirit give it to us because it might not make sense to us as a means of delivery, but to the person or the client or the sitter in front of you, it might make 100%. And they might just want to hear one thing. You know, it's interesting, Sandra, because I did a reading last night for a lady that I do know and I don't know, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I knew a few bits about her. And, and I actually brought her son through the reading who died in quite a horrific accident. And I remember, you know, when he started off and I said, I've got to tell you this. And I said, he's laughing about it. I said, he's only coming in with one trainer on one trainer I said that's all he's laughing at he's got a bare foot and she just looked at me and she says how do you know that and I said because that's what he's shown me she says when we went to collect his belongings they only gave us one trainer and for me it was almost like oh right and, and you know you know when you get something and it almost stops you dead in your tracks mm-hmm. a little bit and you think that was so specific right that he kept showing me one trainer, one trainer. And yet for me, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. Why, why one trainer? You know, what does that mean? And as soon as I said it, she knew. She knew. And I think that is a prime example of what we're given from the spirit world that shouldn't make sense to us and probably does sound a little bit comical in a way. But for the sitter, that's all she needed to know because she knew that was her son. And I didn't know that. I didn't know any of the circumstances. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what they'd, what they'd found afterwards or anything. But it was, it was weird things. Even to the point, he even gave me the name of the gentleman that had stopped after the accident and actually helped him. Wow. And, and she was like, she, she just she looked at me as if to say you couldn't possibly know and I couldn't right. because I don't know that much detail and, and you know I always say to people if there's something that I know during the reading I'll go I know this but I'm going to tell you what they're telling me mm-hmm. you know and, and I'll relay the message but I'll do it as though but actually spirit adora you know I was aware of this before spirit told me um but it's those little things for me that really do mean a lot in terms of how we deliver our service because it should be it should be those unknowns that people people look at you and you just know that that's all they wanted to hear is it, it goes back to what we were saying you know and, and 
I, I listen to people, you know, as they're developing and I listen to mediums and they go, oh, yes, I can sit and do a two-hour reading. And I always say, for me, if I can't deliver everything within a reasonable amount of time, whether that be half an hour, whether it be 45 minutes, whatever, I always think then spirit haven't got anything else to say after that. It's almost as though you'd end up going into like a repetitive mode or repeating what you've already said. Right. Um, you know, and when I start off, when I, when I work with people in my consultation room at home, you know, I'll always, uh, I always obviously tell them how I'm going to work and I'll say, right, I'm going to close my eyes. I said, as I close my eyes, I take myself into my altered state. I said, if you need to interrupt me at any time, you must interrupt me. You know, you must, if you want to ask a question, you must ask it because once I start working with spirit, I'll just start talking to you and I'll just start giving you information. And I said that information will flow until the spirit decides that either they've said enough or actually the spirit withdraws from me. You know, and, and I think that is so important for people, you know, because there is so much nowadays about mediums face reading people and yes. watching people's body language, watching their emotions. And, and I prefer to, you know, sit in my chair, you know, I don't, I don't sit facing the client, I actually turn to one side and I look out the window and I just close my eyes and until I come back round, I don't actually look at that person again. Even if, I, even if the person's getting upset, the only thing I would say is, you know what, there's a tissue there, use it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't come back round and check you know one thing I would say is do you want me to continue right and obviously a lot of the time they'll say yes just continue but I still won't open my eyes and look at the person it's almost as though I'm, I've got a strong link with the spirit world they're working with me I'm just going to work with them that's the way I'll do it well and when you do telephone readings you don't have a person in front of you so you can't look <laughs> at them exactly yeah exactly because I mean some, some people will say to you it's not possible to do a telephone reading but, you know, I, I have regular clients, well, not regular clients, I have clients from, you know, from America, I have clients mm -hmm. from the Middle East, I have clients at the moment in China and Japan, I have clients over in Europe, you know, and it's not possible for me to meet them on a one-to-one -one basis. But, you know, all I need is a voice vibration. And as I say to them, spirit will travel, spirit will travel, because and this has been proven to me time and time again, because when I, when I work in the Middle East, for instance, how is it that I can bring through, you know, loved ones who, who maybe still lived in America or in Europe, but yet I'm working in the Middle East, mm -hmm. you know, and people will look at you and go, well, my mum's never visited this, you know, they've never visited us here. Well, clearly they didn't need to, but they have now because, you know, we always say, Spirit can travel across water. They will go where they're needed to go. Um, and I think people find that difficult to believe. You know, they find it very hard to believe at times. Um, and it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of like just accept that they're still watching over you. And people, people look at me sometimes and say, well, how do they know what we're up to? You know, they, they've never visited us and they don't know where we live. How do they know what our house is like when mm -hmm. they're describing it? How do they know where the photograph is of them, what they're describing now. And it's like, well, obviously, they must have been to visit. You know, they've been to see you. And, you know, where I live, I mean, I've lived here now 12 years. And, you know, my, my mum, unfortunately, never got the chance to visit this house. But I know that she's been. I know that she's here. I know that she, 
she describes the house to a tea to people to say this is where he is, this is what he's doing, this is what he's got, this is where where he's moving things to. And, you know, that's just me as a medium. And I think we all have to accept that, that spirit go where they needed to be. I love that. Yeah, I don't think they're hanging around the cemetery. And that's not no. exciting. <laughs> I, think <laughs> not they, <laughs> I think they have their own work and education to continue, but they can be with us in a blink of an eye. Yeah. Uh, Barry, yeah. have you had experiences where you've given a reading and the sitter might be, well, I don't know, I don't know. But then you get a phone call or email afterwards that you hit the nail right on the head. Any of those do, do, stories? Do you know? Yeah, you do. You, Sandra, do you know what? I love talking about these because you'll be sat there and you'll be giving somebody a name and you'll be talking about, I don't know, the dad or whatever. And going, no, I can't take the name, can't take the name. And then they'll go home and they'll send you an email and they'll go, do you know what? I've, I've never thought about this, but that was my dad's name. You know, because sometimes the obvious things we miss out on so much. You know, it's like because... We only talk about mum and dad. Sometimes we actually forget what the name is. You know, we almost just refer to them as mum and dad. And there's been situations where, you know, I remember one lady that I met many, many years ago who's now become a very good friend over the years. And I remember meeting her at a demonstration and I was saying, you know, there's an adoption in your family. Somebody's been adopted. Oh, no, they haven't. There's no adoption in my family at all. And lo and behold, the lady at that time was just doing her family tree. And within a matter of weeks, literally weeks, if not days, she come back to me and said, how did you know? How did you know that there was an adoption? And she found the adoption, you know, and it was actually her dad that had been adopted into the family and he had never declared it to her mm-hmm. because he always classed his mum and dad as mum and dad when actually they were his adopted parents. But, you know, it's interesting when you get these sort of things, isn't it? Because it's, they're the sort of things that they almost make you realize that that's what you do it for. You do it so that you find, you know, you help people find a little bit of happiness or you help them find something that is so, so unknown, you know, and, and I've had it, you know, I've had it where a partner will book a, a booking for their, uh, for their, for their other partner, you know, their um, husband or wife and they come and they sit and you think, you know, and they'll talk to you going, no, I don't believe in any of this. No, I've, I've, it's, not, it's not what I wanted to do. You know, my partner's booked it for me. And lo and behold, you'll give them a reading, they'll go away and they'll come back and they'll literally clarify everything word for word. You know, that name there was found, that person there I found, yeah, I spoke to my mum about that one, my mum knows about that. And you're thinking, right, okay. And it almost, it almost turns them a little bit, doesn't it? It moves them from the sceptic side to being okay, well, there's something, but I'm still not sure. I still want a little bit more proof. And and it's funny because <clears throat> when I talk to people, I'll always go, just remember, I'm a sceptical medium. And they'll say, what do you mean by that? And I go, because I fully believe, but I still look for proof, exactly like you do. I want the spirit world to keep proving and proving and proving to me that there is more, there is something else. And you know, I, I always describe it a little bit when I'm when I'm talking to people. I say you gain a spiritual greed when you start working with spirit because <laughs> you want more. You want them to prove something. You want them to prove this. You want them to start looking at EVP. You want them to start looking at, you know, materialization, supporting objects, looking at trance, looking at physical energy and physical mediumship. And, you know, this all develops over such a spate of time 
But as mediums, we get very greedy and we want it all to be tomorrow. We want everything now. We want, you know, we want to see spirit. We want to know where they are. We want them to materialize. We want them to take us into a trance state. And I always say to people, in time, it will happen. It's a matter of time. And I got asked the other day um, about, about uh, mediumship and paranormal saying, do you think it's changed over the years? And I think it certainly has. I think the problem is nowadays when we look at it, people don't want to give it the time that it should have. They don't want to sit like we used to do. Um, and even on paranormal investigations, you know, I, I remember when I started out and we would sit in a room for two or three hours and probably not even say a word to each other. We would just sit there and almost like analyze the room, watch what's happening, watch the temperature, listen for noises. And then afterwards we'd go, right, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that when that was mentioned as well. And I noticed the room change at this time. Whereas, you know, people watch a lot of um, entertainment nowadays, a yes. lot of entertainment programs and movies. And they think as soon as they walk into a room, if it doesn't happen within five and ten minutes, oh, no, that you know, we need to go somewhere else now. This just isn't, it's not happening. This room's got nothing. Well, it's like, but you've not actually given it time to, like, present itself to you. You've literally walked in and looked around and said, all right, let's go somewhere else. Um, and it gets quite, quite frustrating on um, paranormal events for me because I always say to people, you know, you must stand still. You must be quiet. You know, we're trying to listen for things that are happening around the room or in the building. And you always end up with somebody that either starts, you know, rattling keys in the pocket, <laughs> trying to open a suite in the pocket. They'll have a squeaky shoe or they'll be stood on a squeaky floorboard. And you're thinking, oh, please, you know, just be quiet for two minutes. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I accept that over the years, you know, um, entertainment programs, media, TV has, has changed what we do so much because people watch a show for, for an hour. And we think, oh, blimey, that's everything that happens within an hour on, a, on this old building. Well, it isn't actually. What that is, you're watching a makeup of probably three, four days worth of filming. Yes. All pushed into to a, a one hour show. And it doesn't mean to say that it's all happened at the same time, you know, and I've, I've done it, you know, I've done filming before and I'll always be open with people about this where I've gone into buildings and we've sat there for, for, hours absolutely hours you know and nothing's happened even on a public a public event you know on a paranormal investigation we've sat and nothing has happened and i always say to people don't be disappointed because what that's shown you is tonight spirit don't want to play but tomorrow night might be very different you know and and it almost goes to that point of what i call trickery or fakery you, what you don't want to happen is on every event something to happen because then people get very suspicious. They almost start thinking, was that real or did they create it or, you know, did they, did somebody intentionally jump out or whatever? Um, and again, you know, that plays a huge part because I think some people that come on investigations think that it is going to be all trickery and fakery and people jumping out and touching them from behind curtains and things. Right. And, and, you know, they have to almost leave that at the doorway, you know, and think, actually, what we're going into is something that we don't know what's going to happen. This is a little bit unknown. And what will be, will be, simple as. Um, so I always try and say that to them. You know, anything that you've seen on TV or you've read on a, 
on, on you know the literature to the to the building you know on the right up to the building it's almost as though you've got to put that to one side you know put that history to one side what we're here for today and tonight is to investigate this building as it stands now I want to ask you too as far as ghosts and buildings and paranormal um, things could you explain your thoughts as to like if you go into a paranormal investigation could some place be haunted? Are there earthbound spirits? Are there, or are they called ghosts? Um, is there a dark side? You know, that, that whole mm. world from coming it, from it, a medium. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, it opens up a huge, a huge minefield for people really. Yes, and it I does. think the first, yeah, the first thing that I always say is, you know, remember, you know, we've got a ghost and then we've got a spirit, you know, we know that a ghost is a, an apparition it's a video recording in time it's something that will happen very repetitively and you know we know that from a ghost because of how it's formed and how it's almost materialized that there's no intelligence there you know and that could be i don't know a, a roman soldier that walks through the building at 12 12 o'clock lunchtime every day and never acknowledges anybody but then on the other hand when we're in an old building what we try and get is a form of intelligence. We try and get an element of communication. And I think, yes, certainly there is a point where spirit will come in visitation. I think they'll look at this, that this was probably their home or their last place of rest, or, you know, this was the place where maybe they was executed, depending on what the building is. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the last signs of recognition. And I always say to people, what we always try and look for is somewhere where there's been um, almost like a mass explosion of energy. Something's got to have happened that's allowed that spirit to remain there or that's taken that spirit from that position. Do I believe that we have earthbound spirits? I think that's a really good question because I think a lot of people get very bemused by this and also very tied up with it. They assume that every spirit that we bring through is earthbound. Well, clearly it's not from a mediumship perspective because as a medium... When we're giving a reading to people, spirit are in visitation. They're coming in to say, this is the message. There you go. I'm off. I'm leaving you now. I don't mm -hmm. need to be here. And I think that works exactly the same on paranormal investigations. I think spirit drop in and drop out. And, you know, if they feel at home there, of course they're going to stay. You know, that's what they knew as home. Maybe they like Maybe they like scaring people. Maybe they like being around the corner and, and jumping out as a, as a spirit, you know, not a ghost, as a spirit. And maybe that's what they want to continue to do. And, and we always say, you know, that we can't demand of spirit. We can't force them to do something that they don't want to do. But maybe there is those sort of characters there that are very jovial, that are very comical, that want to keep having a laugh, want to keep frightening people, want to keep banging on the door. Um, you asked an interesting question there about um, the negative side, shall we mm -hmm. call it, you know, because everybody's always fascinated by the negative. You know, they, they assume that every time we go into a building, it's all going to be um, bad and evil and nasty and things are going to happen to you. You know, you shouldn't dabble with things that you don't know and you shouldn't play with um, Ouija boards, psychic circles, you know, anything like that. And I would say to people, remember, you know, when we work and when I work, I, I say to my guide, whoever's looking after me at that moment in time, you need to look after me. You know, you need to make sure that whoever comes through is coming through for a specific reason. You know, and if I feel uncomfortable and actually I think mm, this is a bit of a, a character that I don't like, I will almost say to my guide, 
sorry, don't want that. You know, that's not what we're here for. But it goes back to that point where it's really hard putting a title on those characters because I don't believe in the word evil. I don't believe that there are evil spirits. I believe that there's spirits out there that are probably mischievous. I believe that there's probably spirits out there that are probably exceptionally grumpy and moody at times and, and want a little bit of attention. Um, you know, and certainly if I look at my family members, you know, I had a grandfather that was, was always probably very miserable, you know, and, and grumpy and never really enjoyed his life. Oh. But I wouldn't put a banner on him that said that he was evil. I'd just say he was just, he just didn't enjoy his life no matter what. Um, but I think it's that real banner that people try and put on things that, oh, if we bring something through, it's got to be negative. It's got to be evil. And I remember over the years working with many, many mediums, you know, and they used to bring things through like demonic monks. And, and I used to think, well, that's a total clash of, of, of beliefs, really. You know, we're talking of something that's quite dark and, and demonology with actually something that's extremely religious. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in reality, would you ever get that? Well, no, you certainly wouldn't. What you might get is you might get a monk that probably resented what he did or resented his position or didn't enjoy his role. But that doesn't mean to say that he was demonic. And, and I think sometimes, you know, you know, people's imagination when we're going to buildings can really run riot. Yes. You know, they can really take over, Sandra. And, and you know, I've done events at a very well-known location in the UK um, called the Woodchester Mansion. Beautiful, beautiful building. But the interesting thing with it is originally there was a smaller house on the site. But what you see now is what was being rebuilt or redesigned. But actually, it was never lived in. And people go into that property and they're going, oh, yes, this used to be a bedroom and this used to be this room and this used to be this. And you go, and in my mind, I'm thinking, but I know that's not right because that, there was never a floor in that building because it was never finished. Mm. And people almost seem to overcreate things. You know, they almost seem to create a little bit of an adventure in the mind, could I say? Yes, um, yes. And I think that's, that's really... It's, it's very easy to do. It's very, very easy to do because when you go into it, you want to see it as, it as you thought it was or how it used to be. And remembering that a lot of the, the stately homes in the UK were, were family homes. These weren't, um, you know, these weren't dark places. These were proper family homes, very, very noble homes in some cases. Um, and people have to remember that, you know, and I think you know, we, we need to put aside that dark side at the times, you know, and that demonic side. And remember that, you know, a lot of that has only been created by current sort of TV programs, by what we've shown in the media. Um, you know, and there's some films out there, you know, you look at some of the films out there over the years, films like The Exorcist. Yes. You know, that really, really portray spirit in a very dark, sinister way. You know, you look at other films, and, and I always talk about the film Sixth Sense. Yes. Sixth Sense, to me, made total sense, because I remember when Spirit kept knocking on the door, and you'd go, I'm not sure, I don't know whether I want this, and knock, knock on the door, still not sure, I don't know whether I want it. And it almost, you know, put the gruesome side to one side. It was almost Spirit saying, look, we're here, we need to talk to you, we need some help, we need you to get a message through for us. And as soon as you accept that, the spirit seems to calm down a little bit. It's almost as though they they lose that frustration because they think, blimey, finally somebody's listening to us. Finally, <laughs> somebody's hearing us. Finally, somebody's taking on board what we want to say. 
you know, and Spirit do that. You know, this is what we found over the years. You know, I remember when I started table tipping or table levitation, um, you know, and I remember it used to start off really, really quite, I don't want to say aggressive, but very forceful to mm -hmm. start off with. But as soon as you started relating to it and going, okay, it's all right, I understand this is what I'm getting, this is the feeling I'm getting, this is what we're trying to do, the, the movement would almost go almost like, I don't know, into like a, almost a lullaby situation, you know, very calm, very, very reserved, very, you know, almost as though it was just gently, almost rocking somebody to sleep. Um, you know, and spirit work like that, you know, you can understand the frustration, can't you? Because it's, it's like, if they're trying to get a message through to me and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm busy outside in my garden doing mm -hmm. something and I'm busy doing some work and they're going, we still need to talk to you. And I'm going, yeah, just in a minute. Well, yeah, but we still need to talk to you. Yeah, but just give me a minute. And the spirit world then are almost like, we're determined to get through to him. You know, we need to keep talking to this guy. We need to get these messages through to him. So it does fascinate me, you know, but I think we really, really need to watch how we put a branding on spirit, how we put a title on spirit and say, actually, it's the spirit world. We know that they're there to look after us and to prove that existence exists. But also, we know that they have a form of intelligence. So, you know, treat them with respect. Absolutely. Talk to them with respect. Yeah. And some people don't, though, do they? You know, they intentionally go out there to almost, how do we say this, to almost wind spirit up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would say to them, remember, you know, this was once a living person. This was somebody that has, has emotions. They have feelings. You know, they want to be respected. You know, think about it in terms of you. How would you want to be spoken to if you were in the spirit world trying to come through to prove something or to give a message? You'd want to be respected. Oh, you very. Know? And I always try. I always try and work with spirit like that. That's wonderful advice. I remember years ago, I had a, a huge fear of people. I didn't like mm. to check into a hotel. I didn't like to call people on the phone, you know, to place an order. And then I had ended up taking a course that pretty simply said who you're looking at is just another you, <laughs> just yeah, another person. Yeah. And so I, I'm getting it that the, our friends in the spirit world treat them with respect. It's just another you. And someday we will be there. Certainly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and, and how would we like to be spoken to? Sure. You know, we, I, I, I wouldn't want to be chastised and, and humiliated in the spirit world. I'd actually want to be, so, be spoken to with an element of respect and an element of, you know, intelligence, I suppose. Yeah, just talk to me. I notice on your Facebook page there's a few pictures of you with the great Colin Fry. Can you yeah, tell Colin, us about your relationship with him, your friendship? Yeah, Colin was a was a very dear friend of mine and, you know, I've known him for a, a long, long time, you know, and we used to exchange stories and, and little messages together and, you know, over the years we met up numerous times and he always wanted me to work with him and you know, I, I always used to say to Colin, Colin, I'm not good enough. And he'd say, yes, you are. And he'd say, no, I'm not. I'm not good enough, Aww. Colin. And, and bless him, you know, I remember um, towards, towards the latter years when he started getting ill, you know, he, he, he rang me up once and he was doing a show not far from my home. And he just rang me up and he says, are you coming tonight? And I said, yeah, I am. You, you, um, you asked me to come along. He said, oh, good, good. And I said, why are you asking? He said, no reason, no reason at all. He said, I'll see you when you get to the show. And I remember when I got to the show and he said, I'm glad you've come. And I said, why? He said, because you're doing the stage with me tonight. Oh, no. And I said to him, you are kidding. Yeah, that was it. Because he knew that if he'd, have if he'd have told me before, I would have said no. Right. 
Um, and I remember, you know, he said, yes, you're doing the stage with me tonight. And I said, all right, great. Thanks, Colin. Um, and that's shortly after that was when he told me that he was ill and that he was struggling. And, and obviously then on his final tour, I supported him with quite a lot of his um, sort of um, public demonstrations. Um, and it was hard to see with Colin because he was a man of, of such great sort of stature, you know, and it's interesting because there is a photo and I think it's on my Facebook and Colin Colin and me were obviously exceptionally different heights. There's a yes. photo of me actually crouching down to have a photo with him on one of them. And, and I always remember, and it was quite funny, one of the stage shows that we did, there's actually a picture of me and I'm closer to the, co- the camera and Colin's further away. And, and I think I've actually got my hand out. It almost looks as though he stood in the palm of my hand when you look at it. <laughs> um, but, you know, oh, he, he, was a, he was a great man. And he was so... He was so spiritual with his ways, you know, Colin was, you know, and I remember I used to ring him up and he used to go, right, who's upset you now? And I used to tell him and he used to go, that's okay, you've told me now, just go go and carry on on your pathway now. And it used to be so funny with it because I always felt at times as though he was almost giving you a little bit of a a pat on the head to to say, don't worry, everything's okay now, you just carry on on your road, you know. Um, And it 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 was very difficult dealing with him when he was ill um, yeah, I'm sure. because he still tried to carry on he, he still wanted to carry on for the people he wanted to keep delivering the messages you know and I remember a few shows that I did with him and we used to stand behind you know back of the curtain before we went out on stage and you say I don't think I can do it tonight and you go you'll be all right you'll be okay and you say I can't I can't do it and yet as soon as he went out there it was almost as though he was overtaken by another energy. Right. And it was like the Colin who, who behind the curtain was very ill and frail almost disappeared. And it was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to deliver the message. And you could almost see like his energy starting to, to evolve. You know, it almost seemed to bloom with him. Um, you know, and then it, it got very difficult as he, as he became weaker, I suppose. And, I think probably eventually, you know, the spirit world thought we need to withdraw and we need to let this man have his time now, you know. And, and I've got some some lovely messages that Colin sent to me, especially in his final few days. Thank you for being a friend and, you know, thank you for being there when he needed me, etc. And, you know, I think it's I think it's lovely that I've got those that I can look back on. And, you know, I've got a couple of a couple of items that were Colin's that, you know, will always stay with me and will always will always be part of me now, you know. Um and their personal personal effects, you know. But it yeah, he was a great man to work with, I need to say that. You know, he was he was a pleasant man to work with. We had some laughs, we had laughs on and off on and off camera. Um, you know, we we loved it, you know, and whenever one of us was on stage, the other one was always in the dressing room listening to it and you know, it it was it was nice knowing that you know, he'd come out of his dressing room and he'd nod at you just to say, well done, you've done a good job there. And you'd think, oh, thank you, I needed to hear that. Oh, you know, yeah. and vice versa, you know, Colin sure. Colin liked to hear that after doing the demonstration as well. And I remember, you know, both of us were probably very similar because I always come off of a, a stage or a platform and I always say to the spirit, well, I could have done better for you there. I could have delivered something better. And Colin used to do the same, you know, and, and I think probably that's one of the things we had in common. We used to almost come off of, doing a demonstration and almost beat ourselves up to say we could have done it better. But, you know, I think that's a good thing because I think for the spirit world, I think they look at that and think, you know what, they know that they can do better next time. What we'll do is we'll help them do better next time because I don't think you ever get to that point 
where you're you're a hundred percent confident. You know, you know everything a hundred percent, and I think that's good. You know, okay. I always joke with people. Yeah, I always joke with people, Sandra. You know, before I go out on a platform or a stage, you know, if somebody said to me in those five minutes before I can go out, you can get in your car and go home. The nerves inside of me would say, get in the car and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling, not from that, but just from other things. And I want to ask you too, did Colin, Colin was a great physical medium as well as a uh, mental medium, evidential medium. And my passion currently, as we talk here in 2018, is to study the world of trance and physical mediumship. Yeah. And uh, I love yeah. it. Um, but it, did... Uh, <laughs> Colin ever share from those days some of the stories from being a physical medium? I mean, I know that's yeah, a did. giant question. Yeah. But. yeah, no, he did. And I mean, I've got to say, I agree with you. You know, my passion now is, is trance and physical. You know, that's what I'm sitting for now, you know, and, and we have a regular group that sits. And Wonderful. Colin used to portray a lot of the stories. You know, he used to tell us, um, he used to tell me stories about how the spirit world had, had you know, he'd be tied up, but they'd, they'd literally undress him in his chair and leave him tied up still, or they would take him out of the room and put him into another room, you know. Um, and I remember, you know, when Colin passed, you know, the, the, there was a, a big picture of Magnus that he had, and Magnus was Colin's, Colin's guide. Um, and the picture, I, they asked, the family asked me to look after it for a while, and I didn't. I actually bought it home and put it in my, my consultation room where I see my clients. Mm-hmm. And it was so hysterical because every time I used to come downstairs, Colin used to be stood in the doorway. And in the end, I said to the family, you've got to take the picture back because I said, I can't get him out of my house. You know, it was almost as though he was like, that's where I'm staying, I'm staying put. But he used to share some fantastic stories with it, you know, about, um, like I say, how the spirit world used to take him through a locked door and put him in another room and leave him lying on the floor while all the sitters were filling the locked room. You know, lo and behold, they'd turn the light on and no Colin because he'd been taken outside the room. Um, you know, I remember um, seeing his psychic trumpet and his psychic trumpet was so battered and bruised over the years because it had been dropped, it had been fallen, it had mm-hmm. been passed around the circle, you know, and, and it was lovely, you know, and I, I, he always kept that for years and years and years he kept it. And it was, it was always in a, a lovely wooden box on the side. Um, and I remember he, um, he showed me once some hands that they'd, they'd had materialized in the circle. And they'd actually managed to cast the hands into a cast. So you could see these hands that had actually materialized. And the way that they'd then gone into almost like a quick setting sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, quick setting resin or cement of some kind. But the hands had formed. And, and it was phenomenal, you know, watching it, thinking, you know, this is, this is true physical mediumship. This is what we need to get back to nowadays. And, you know, we need to get people to sit for physical again. That's my view. Yeah, I'm totally aligned in that. I've had a few mm-hmm. episodes with Scott Milligan, who's a present-day physical medium. Yes. Where I met oh, our friend, Kaz. fantastic medium. Yeah. Yeah, I, Scott is a fantastic medium and a very, a very, very dear friend, you know, Scott and Darren, you know, I think they're, yes. you know, he's such um, a modern-day, um, how do we put this, you know, a modern-day medium that really wants to show people how to do it and do it properly. Yes. And I'm excited. He's coming to America in September to be a speaker Brilliant. at the Afterlife Symposium. 
Um, and, any, and for anyone who this might be their first show with us, uh, you might not have heard the term physical medium before, but a physical medium is someone who in a circle in a darkened room most often um, can produce a substance called ectoplasm and our loved ones can actually walk through it and become real again. And as Ghostbusters and science fiction as this sounds, it's one of those things where to witness it, to experience it. It's like no other. And then I actually found out, you might've heard Barry or know this story, but Dan Aykroyd, who wrote Ghostbusters, his great grandfather was actually involved with spiritualism and held seances in their home. And so young Dan would hear stories about the past and that's how, you know, Ghostbusters came about. So it's not green slimy stuff, but it is a, I, I feel a miraculous thing. And Scott Milligan and yeah. others are really trying to get this out in the world again, have people yeah. start sitting on behalf of spirit and circles and see what happens. So I find it very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, it, it's interesting. I'm actually doing a seance with Scott on Friday. Um, he's actually coming to, to my local sort of town. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, so he's doing the, uh, physical seance on the Friday night. And then obviously is at the workshop over the weekend. Ah, oh, great. Great. It's fantastic. fantastic. Well, Barry, we just have a few minutes left. Is there any question that I haven't asked you that I should, or something you're very passionate about that you want to share, or even if you just reach into your own heart and just any words that need to be spoken? Do, do you know, I think, I think that's a lovely way to, to end, end the interview and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I think all I would say to people is, you know, remember that spirit comes from the heart, not from the head, not from the ego. You know, you have to work with them on an emotional basis and they'll never let you down. They never have me over the years, even though at times I think they have. And often I look back and I go, I'm sorry, I know you didn't. I know you were there, but I just didn't hear you at that moment. And just accept that they're there when we need. And, you know, the way that I always say it is spirit are only a thought away. Oh, beautiful. My pleasure. Beautiful. And do you welcome people getting in touch with you or do you still yeah, do but, telephone readings and people can contact yeah, you? Not, yeah, not a problem at all, Sandra. If people want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us via the website, which is www.barryjohn.com. Or you can get in touch with us um, via Facebook, which again, look for Barry John. Um, and you'll find us on there. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, as I said, we're on Facebook. Um, but by all means, drop us a message if you've got any questions or you want to book reading. Not a problem. Just get in touch. Oh, thank you so much. I have been waiting a long time to get to chat with you. And I know today is the perfect day. And I'm grateful to our mutual friend, Kaz. And I, I just think that you and I will have more of a friendship because I know we're both into the same thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, and Barry, really thank you, though, from all the people that may not have really acknowledged the difference that you've made in their life. You know, it's interesting to hear from people that have had near death experiences. One common denominator is when they have their life review, they see the difference they've made in the world and they see the ripple effect. And I just know in my heart that you have made a profound difference in so much healing and giving people hope and faith and comfort. So thank you from all the voices that haven't verbalized it, but a huge thank you for who you are for the people on earth.
Thank you very much, Sandra. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope we speak again soon. Yeah, I know we will. And for our listener, thank you for spending the past hour with us. <clears throat> As a reminder, Barry's website is www.barryjohn.com. Our home base for this show is wedontdieradio.com. This is now episode 256. Yes, we have 256 hours of really incredible interviews and conversations about not only why the afterlife is real, but also how to have a powerful life. And we're here to help support you on having your dreams fulfilled. We're here to help you through grief and just to have a great life. And if you're interested in that whole kind of thing, feel free to join our Facebook group. And on Facebook, you just type in We Don't Die Listeners. And it is a closed group, so you can share your heart out. We are here to support. And I did mention that Afterlife Symposium. To find out more about that, there's, I think, almost 40 different speakers that will be in Scottsdale, Arizona, September 13th through 16th. Uh, go to afterlifesymposium.org. And even if you can't join us, just check out some of the speakers because there's some people really up to some great things through science, through medicine, through mediumship, and all different aspects, um, really about the continuity of life even after our, our body disappears. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And remember what Barry said, spirit is only a thought away. You don't have to go visit a medium to connect with them. And you can simply take a few minutes and clear your mind and have love in your heart and reconnect with your loved ones. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.